0: you're passionate about transforming retail operations and improving performance plus you're accountable for key change projects and programs in your company then you're in the right place welcome to the retail transformation show with me oliver banks welcome back to the retail transformation show it's oliver here and i hope you are having a great day so far Now, in this episode, episode 31, we're continuing the catch-up with Tim Mason. So if you've not listened to episode 30, I do thoroughly recommend you go back and start with that one first, where I begin to explore with Tim more about his history and about omni-channel retail. Tim Mason is the CEO of Eagle Eye Solutions Group, previously he used to be the deputy CEO of Tesco, as well as CMO, and he led a huge number of transformation programs as we explored last time. Tim has just released his book, Omnichannel Retail. It's a guide to build winning stores in a digital world. He's co-authored it with Maya Knights, and it's published by Kogan Page. And it's a great read if you're interested in defining how your stores can be successful in today's Digitally enabled world. Now, maybe you're thinking that it's all about the internet. It's all about e-commerce, right? Well, wrong, because 90% of purchases are still completed in a physical store, and there are so many things that that physical touch point can do that a digital touch point cannot. However, to be super successful in today's marketplace, it is critical that your store, your physical store, and your digital environment, your digital ecosystem do work hand in hand to drive sales, to drive footfall, and ultimately to build a meaningful relationship with each customer on an individual level. So as I was mentioning, this is the second part of my catch up with Tim. If you've not listened to episode 30, the first part, do go back and listen. Otherwise, we're going to jump straight into this. And we're going to kickstart with some of the work that Tim led to ensure that he and his team at Tesco could hold themselves to account when it comes to privacy and customer trust. So take a listen.
1: When Tesco launched Clubcard, by about 1996, so only a year after we did it, I would say, maybe two, we developed a customer charter which was all about we won't share your data, we won't send you things you don't want to receive, and so on and so forth. There was absolutely no need to do it at all. But what we could see from the way the world was going was that there was potential for abuse, potential for sloppiness, potential for somebody to inadvertently mention a customer's name in a way that they shouldn't. So we made sure that everything was anonymized and separated and things like that. It was all self-imposed. But the reason that we did it was because we were decent people running a decent business who wanted to behave in the proper way. And my view is the way that you get people to share their data with you is to behave with proper values In a proper way and to genuinely do what marketing is supposed to do, which is to create value for the customer. Sure. Then I think they will reward you by giving you their data.
0: It's sort of GDPR, what, 22 years in advance, right?
1: (laughs) Correct. Yeah. But, 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 you know, I think it's, it's about the way that you behave. You know, if somebody believes that you as a brand are generally on their side, and then convinces you that the more they know about you, the better the job they will do for you, then you're going to give them the information. If they believe that the more information they give you, they're going to use it to bombard you with stuff and to gouge you, then they won't give it to you.
0: Absolutely. And one of my personal beliefs is that it's actually got to be quite a lot of hard work internally. So that it is personalized, it is relevant and suitable for that customer. So it's it's not about the easy path. It's about finding the best path, which often is not the easy path, let's be honest.
1: (laughs) Oh, no, absolutely. I think this is incredibly hard work. You know, one of the things that that I've said in this book and come to realize is not everybody is going to want to run a 1990s type points, mean, prizes, loyalty scheme. With their margins now squeezed by discounters on the one hand and online on the other hand, they're mm. just going to say, we can't do it. We haven't, got the, we haven't got the room to maneuver. But going back to the data-driven and then digitally enabled, the data-driven point, let's be in no doubt. You need to know who the customer is. There is a job of work in uh, any consumer business now which is getting fresh, up-to-date, permissioned customer IDs. Yes. You know, I was talking to somebody from Google. If you transact with Google in any way, shape, or form, in order to do it, the entry ticket is a customer ID. You have to give it to them for the bloody thing to work. Yeah. And I was talking to this guy, and I said, you know, we're talking about loyalty schemes, and he said, well, it's the cost of getting a customer ID. You know, you see exactly how these guys think. And they sort of laugh up their sleeves, I'm sure, at the rest of us who have this, you know, we have all these anonymous customers. We've got no idea who they are, what they do. So I, I agree. That, that's the first thing. And then the second thing is, and, and this was true of Clubcard, but it's true of everything. Once you go down that journey and then you start personalizing off the back of those customer IDs, until you have a better idea, that's a life's work. You know, you do not create an app, Put one menu card in a restaurant for two weeks and then take that down when you change the menu and say, oh, we've done an app. We've done digital marketing. Let's move on to the next thing. <laughs> you know, and then wonder why your app's rather disappointing. Yeah. You know, it's a life's work. Some of the most intelligent, brightest, hardworking people I've ever known ran club card, built their careers running club card. You know, it was a job in its own right. And I think one of the reasons why I'm sort of excited about this and sort of evangelized about it is as a marketeer, one of the great things about looking back with the benefit of hindsight on the Tesco story and the Tesco success, and this sounds a bit blowing my own trumpet, and I don't mean it, it was clearly it was a marketing success. You know, we ran Tesco as if it were a fast-moving consumer goods company, and and we bought the techniques from Unilever and the techniques from Doctor & Gamble, and we applied it to a retail business, and it was phenomenally successful. Generally marketing is not that good, and I think this uh, this is the new opportunity for marketing to set itself right at the center, right at the heart of the business and say, no, no, we get customers, we understand customers, and we can target them, and we can drive trade in a way which makes this business better, makes this business stronger. And so what we're doing is really important, really interesting, and really central. So you better listen to what we're saying. And and generally, I think when businesses are like that, they are in a better place.
0: I couldn't I couldn't agree with you more it's so important to be able to tie up all of the all of the touch points with a brand throughout so into obviously advertising through your marketing and point of contact uh, outside a store inside a store both online and offline it's got to sit right at the heart of the the whole retail operating model and connect it all together
1: That's true It is interesting. I agree with you completely. The only thing I would add is the other thing that is implicit within within all that, which is sort of what I was talking about a little bit back in the interview about, it's about the values of the organization. This is why organizational values and organizational culture is so important. Because if you think about what you described there, There is no way that you can do that in a command and control way. What you have to have is you have to have an operating model, as you said, that holds it all together and gives you the single customer view. And then you have people at each of the consumer touch points who share a set of values so that given a choice between turning left and right, they turn left. And the thing about digital is it makes this all so much easier to do if only you get on and do it.
0: Yeah, so that kind of brings us around. So just before we wrap up our, our conversation, I wanted to touch on the biggest challenges from converting from retailer today into an omni-channel retailer. We've obviously talked about hard work already, so that's a given. What else are the biggest challenges, do you think, and how should... How should a retailer best overcome them?
1: It's a very interesting question that I think, and I sort of touch on it in the book a bit in terms of, you know, when you look back at Tesco Express, Tesco.com, those very successful businesses, transformational businesses, actually, for the future of Tesco, we ended up having to give them powerful CEOs, their own P&L, their own identity, because otherwise the mothership just sort of swamped them. Here you've got an issue where actually this is not about e-commerce. This is about the fact we live in a digital world. Your business exists in a digital world. But actually, gravitationally, it's not in the center of that digital world. It's absolutely out at the periphery, you know sort of being buffeted around and and, and not having a true north and, and not knowing what's going on. That is really, really problematic. In in simplest terms, I believe that what those of us who run physical businesses need to do is we need to take tools and skills and ways of working that are operated by digital pure plays and work out how we apply them to our business. And that may well be that certain people just have to get out of the way and let other younger, more data-savvy people come through. You know, going back to Amazon Go, yes, they will not let you into the shop unless you are a digitally connected part of the Amazon ecosystem. You have to have an app to get in. It's not that, it's not only that they don't have any checkouts to let you out. You have to have an app to get in. But even in the physical world, passing trade, everything else, their view is I'm not interested in anonymous passing trade. What I'm interested in is connected relationships. And if going back to steal a phrase from Tesco, why do you want connected relationships to build customer value or in Tesco speak to build lifetime value? Yeah. You know, you are competing in, in, in 2020 with people who, as D- dear Steve Jobs said, genuinely do think different. You know, tech businesses that do food, not food businesses with great technology. And my experience of working with these people is they do think differently. They are massively more data centric. If you think about spray and pray marketing, it's almost devoid of any data at all. It's just based on instinct and feel, and it's always worked this way. And you know, Um I would say, yeah. So, so uh, I think the big thing is that actually what you've got to do is you've got to make a philosophical shift and a managerial shift and to then start yourself on a journey. A journey, I think, which will be very exciting and will be very rewarding. And for those that do set sail, you know, my view is they will be the winners. And the people that can't grapple with it, they will end up being the losers. And so there's everything to play for here. But really, as you were saying earlier on, you've got to get on and start, and it's not for five minutes. It's really hard work over a decade to see where it can take you. And and the other thing actually is, and this is the point that I make in, 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 in the book, the interesting thing about digital enablement is it's not expensive compared to refitting restaurants, moving the bakery from the front to the back of a store, major refit programs on businesses with physical assets. It's not expensive. And if you think about it, what does a refit do? A refit gives the consumer a new proposition, gives the consumer a new way to think about the business. Just jollies the thing up and cheers the thing up a bit, yeah. and is, by the way, very hard to get a return on capital out of. So this is exactly what you can do with a digital connection. You can create a digital layer which sits over the physical asset and makes it more interesting, more funky, more informative, and more appropriate, more personalized. So it, it's not even that expensive, but but it is difficult in terms of the quality of what you do, the determination with which you do it, and the precision with which you execute it. But, hey, that's always been the case.
0: Absolutely. So it is that it's got to be a big strategic direction, not just a, a yeah, we want to be an omni-channel retailer, sort of throwaway comment because it's a, a buzzword or a trend. But it's actually, you've got to say, right, well, what are we doing? Let's double down on it, build the capability, get the right people into place that actually will begin to to naturally overcome the traditional siloed challenges that the retailers can come into, and it begins to build it all up. I mean, you said it perfectly. They will be the winners. And that's a great point to wrap it up, I think.
1: Yeah, well, I I thought your summary was great. I agree with you 100%.
0: Tim, it's been absolutely great chatting to you. Uh, Congratulations on the book. I do thoroughly recommend that if you're listening – you've got to go and get a copy of this. This is where it is at. It's an entertaining read. It's got some, some really quite interesting uh, interviews with, with really key people looking at, at the club card experience, looking at some of the themes we've spoken about today. So do make sure you pick up a copy from uh, All Good Bookshops. And Tim, thanks once again.
1: It's a pleasure. Thank you very much indeed for your time.
0: Wasn't that a great conversation there with Tim Mason? I really enjoyed exploring particularly some of his back history with Tesco, having been at Tesco myself, understanding about the, the, the journey that he went on with Clubcard and how ultimately going deep into customers' lives, really understanding them can deliver. And it makes total sense. I'm sure you agree. And I just want to pull out a couple of quotes that Tim mentioned that really resonated with me and I think are the key takeaways for you right here. So the first one is, it's not about e-commerce. This is about the fact that we live in a digital world and there's no escaping that, right? You know, we do live in this digital world. We are connected with a supercomputer in our pocket all the time in our smartphone. We do buy across channels and we do want to make life simple. So it's all about that. How do you do that using digital? Becoming digitally enabled, as Tim put it, and data-driven as well, of course. And the second key takeaway, and this is a call to action for you, right? So get ready. You have to start. And it's not just for five minutes. You know, this is a long-term game. Going deep, building up personalized relationships with each of your customers is a long-term game. This is not a quick Whim that you want to just jump on for a couple of minutes because it's a hot topic, no no no, let's go for it, but if you do, you have to commit, and you will be rewarded in the long run because you do build that loyalty with your customers. so I would love to know what was your key takeaway from the whole session with with Tim Mason. Either let me know on social media i'm on LinkedIn, Oliver Banks, or on Twitter at ollie underscore banks, that's O-L-L-I-E underscore banks, or drop me an email, oliver.banks at obandco.uk. And I do really look forward to hearing what you got from this catch up with Tim Mason. Now, just as a quick reminder, Tim's book is available omnichannel retail by Tim Mason and Maya Knights, and it's published by Kogan Page, available in all good booksellers. I'm going to put a link to the book on the show notes page, obandco.uk 31. I look forward to joining you soon on the next episode of the Retail Transformation Show. So if you've not already done so, please remember to subscribe. And until the next time, I wish you well. Bye.